Actually, should we start over? No. Who cares? Can you hear me actually better now? Isn't that amazing when you can actually like turn your microphone on, how much better people sound? <laughs> Sounds good. It's as if I've never done this before. I got to tell you, if anyone ever wants to live stream, just let me tell you what will go wrong, can go wrong, will go wrong, and always goes wrong. My boyfriend actually told me, he's like, do write a checklist and put it on your monitor just to make sure you do all the checklists. And I'm like, but I've been doing it for like two years now. I really shouldn't be making those mistakes. And sure enough, make them every single time. So Leslie, aren't you comfortable like that you're going live with me? Yeah. No reason to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So on that note, are you ready for the mic is listening? Yeah. Awesome. Let's do it. The mic is listening. The mic is listening. The mic. The mic is listening. 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 Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the mic is listening. I am Sia. And you know what? Again, I screwed up. Oh my God, I love this so much. Leslie, you know what? I'm just going to kick it off. Welcome to the mic is listening. And forget about my intro that I normally do. I'm just going to go and jump in and welcome Leslie Urbis with the Food Emotional Code. Leslie, welcome to the mic is listening. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh my goodness gracious. I'm like looking like, huh, why is that image up there still? And of course, the song ends. And, you know, I think it's a sign because I just ate a phenomenal um, breakfast, if you will. Okay. And I think I'm, my blood has gone to my stomach right now because I swear to God, like everything that I'm thinking about right now, is just not happening at all in the slightest. So am I going crazy? Am I going crazy right now? Or am I just tummy happy right now? We'll go with tummy happy. That works. Yeah. So, okay, so welcome to the Mic is Listening, Leslie. You and I met uh, through a networking group, right? Yeah. And uh, this is one of the things, I think it's, I think it was through the SPN, right? Service Professionals Network with uh, Mike O'Connor. So shout out to Mike. I think I'm, uh, I think you should start paying me, Mike, but that's okay. We'll just let it slide. Um, but one thing that attracted to me about you was the fact that you, you are a nutritionist, right? You are you are certifiable and all that good stuff. Um, why did you switch from nutrition into this kind of like more of a coaching versus being a more of a, I don't know how to describe it, but I feel like if you're a nutritionist, you it's coaching in a way, but not really. You're going to true coaching. So what's the difference? Can you help me understand that? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of different things. So, so I'm a registered dietitian by verbiage, right? So just like a doctor would have his little title, um, which basically just means I went to school, got a degree, did get my master's, got a certificate, and I did all the, you know, check marks on a box kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that allows me to practice what's called medical nutrition therapy, which basically means there's a line. There's a line that a health coach isn't supposed to do, a personal trainer is not supposed to do. It's supposed to just be a dietitian. And while that line is very much crossed often, um, it's a line that I believe is important and something that I believe dietitians really are needed for. I find that most medical nutrition therapy needs to be done more with diabetes, uh, heart disease, uh, some of the... Um, 
uh, like you get intubated, issues along those lines, right? Medical nutrition therapy, right? Lots of reasons why that could happen. For myself, I still am a registered dietitian. I didn't lose my title or anything. But what I see is that food is not, how do I put this? You don't need a plan, okay? You don't need a piece of paper to tell you eat this, not that. You don't need macros. You don't need keto. You don't need your best friend's aunt's diet that's crazily gotten her 30 pounds down. You don't need a lap band. You don't need bariatric surgery. You need to fix the six inches between your ears. Our relationship with food is literally emotional. Every piece of it is emotional. It does not matter if it's good, bad, or ugly. The reason why you choose to eat a food when you choose to eat it is for an emotional reason. Mm. Mm -hmm. That is funny because I like to think when I pick my food choices, it probably helps me push a certain mood. I never thought about consciously, but absolutely. Like I tend to think of life in a more optimistic perspective. And when I sense that I'm going down the opposite side, I have a tendency to, I don't know, maybe subconsciously adjust it accordingly. So that's really interesting that you say that. So, okay, what if you had a childhood of, I mean, I'm Asian. I don't know if you noticed, (laughs) but I grew up in a very Asian household in the way that, you know, food was put in front of me and I ate it. Like I didn't have an option of like making an alternative menu like whatever my mom made we ate it and on top of that you finished the food because my parents hammered into me you know these people handpicked these rice you know pellets like you're going to appreciate the effort of all these other people so there was like a bit of guilt i think when i learned to eat is how common is that um where your upbringing kind of feeds it or is it something that's relatively more of as an adult we put these other ideas in our head So a lot of it does come from childhood. You know, the clean your plate method is a real thing. Um, I've, I, when I was at the military hospital, I dealt a lot with kids that had foods that were actually kept from them uh, because they were overweight or something. There'd be locks on cabinets or issues along those lines. Um, Everything of that comes back into play. Uh, And it can go two ways. It can be that you always stay that way that you like, depending on how you were raised, you could continue to listen to your mother, like everything that's in front of you, you're going to eat, even if you're at a friend's house, and you have an option, you're going to say, just put something on my plate, and I'll do what you say, right? Right. Or like, yeah, I mean, I'd rather just have the ice cream for dinner. And if that mom's good with it, you're going to be like, oh, there's another world, right? Right. So yeah. Yeah. So it depends so much, but everybody's childhood will affect what it is, right? So whether it was that, you know, your mom always chose what it was, but every Sunday night, it was ice cream night. In your brain, every Sunday night, it's going to be ice cream night. Ice cream is going to be like the reward, the pinnacle thing that you get, right? So there will be other times when you feel you need that reward that you may replace it with ice cream, but you're unconscious of the fact that you're, you're triggered into, I need a reward of some kind, so you go to the ice cream. You don't see the connection piece of that. And that's that's that food emotion piece is that you're actually connecting something that you're doing on the outside or internal with a state of food because the food will replace it for you. Oh, God, girl, I knew this would be a deep conversation. So I'm going to pull back a little bit because I want to I want everyone to understand why we themed today's show um, based on a modest Yahoo lyric. So I, we like Modest Yahoo, so we figured we'd pull something out here. So today, today, live like you wanna, which again, it's that emotional connection, right? Of living like today, 
is your last day, if you will, eat like it's your last day, right? Or some people eat like that, where it's like, oh my God, I'm I'm going to eat everything that I can that I want to, and then obviously there's repercussions. But there's also that those that withhold themselves, where they're like, oh, I can't. I want to have that cupcake, but mm, I've hit my carb, whatever for the day kind of thing. How do you help someone understand, like, you know, how to break that mentality? How do you get them out of that mindset altogether? Is it something where you have to fundamentally detox, like everyone's brain, if you will? for another way, or is it chip away slowly but surely? So each person would take a different angle, but for for sort of what you described, let's say the first person, the person that will literally be like, oh no, I just can't eat it because I'm at my carb count, okay? That person is good with a checklist. That person probably loves to-do lists. That person is very meticulous, great at writing things, great at following directions, perfectionist nature, right? So that person is going to come from a different angle. What we need to figure out is why it's so important for you to meet these numbers. What do these numbers give you? Because if the numbers are off, that's when the guilt and the shame come, right? If I went over 10 carbs on my macros, now it's like, oh, I ruined everything. It's all going downhill. Things are just not working out for me, right? So that perfectionist nature of it's all or nothing would be a different approach of where I would start in terms of so many people rely on the plan, the diet, the whatever, but our brains aren't meant to be perfect, right? If you think about it, when you first started what you were doing in business, it's completely different than now, right? Even your show is a little bit different and it's gotten better and it's gotten easier. Sure, we still make mistakes, but whatever, right? <laughs> what are you saying, Leslie? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> if you have that nature and you, you do that, something along the line will stop you from from following whatever plan you've done before a trigger will occur and you will bounce off the plan that is what that is what every big conglomerate weight loss plan wants you to do is not understand that you didn't fix a problem you piece of papered it you know you gave it a plan and then it falls off but for a perfectionist that's something that's super important to them so we need to we need to replace that a little bit now mm-hmm. for the person that is like super restrictive, like I can't have, I can't touch, that's not allowed, that's not on my diet, that's not there. That's completely different. They have guilted and shamed themselves into a place of like, that food will make me fat. And the funny thing is, is because they put that in their brain, like if I eat ice cream, I'll get fat. If I eat a donut, I will get fat. They literally, if they ever give in and they eat it, they will weigh themselves the next day and the scale will be higher because their brain has been programmed. If we eat this, we get fat. So they get the result they created in their brain solely because they told their brain that that's what they would get. Mm-hmm. And what about the last one uh, where I got to eat everything because they ain't got tomorrow. I might as well enjoy my moment now. Yeah. So for people like that, like, let's say they're going on a diet and they're like, okay, well, let me just eat everything I can because this is going to be something where, um, you know, I won't get the food later or it may not be in front of me. There's quite a few things that could go on underneath there. Could be a family thing. It could be that there was never leftovers. Could be that they were the last person to the table always. Could be that there's a couple of other issues that are underlying there. Could be that they are about to go on the diet and they know diets are so restrictive that they eat everything. And by day three, they haven't noticed they've sabotaged themselves little by little back to where they were before. Um, So there's a lot of other, that's, 
that's what I call like a very complex emotional eater because there are so many emotions around food and they could have a long line of history. Could be that they were always overweight, could be that they weren't overweight, but they were told they would become overweight and now they are. Could be self-esteem. There's a lot that could be behind there. Man, so, I mean, gosh, you're just like bringing up some points here that is like, I just love all your posts, by the way, because I do find them as great reminders. I'm probably, I probably like listening to, you know, just those three different types of, you know, descriptions I just throw out there out of, you know, just throw out there. I can relate to a lot of them in a lot of different ways, different times of my life almost, right? It's almost like it seems to me one situation, it's not a stagnant thing. It could evolve over time. Am I right in that assumption? Like where your head is at, where you were in your 20s is not necessarily where you're going to be in your 40s or 50s? Completely, especially diet wise. I mean, a lot of people don't understand that when they're in their 20s, the diets they do is actually why in their 40s, they gain 10 pounds. They can't figure out how to lose. (laughs) Now you're triggering me because I feel like I'm feeling attacked here. Leslie, you're really going there. No, seriously, that was. uh, okay. let me let me ask you this other question then, because I think we. We do this when we're in business meetings, right? We're going to go to a lunch or whatever. And then there's strategy in the lunch setting, right? When you're having a business meeting, some folks will go with a salad. You know, they want something light or they will go, someone will go for something heavier. Do you find in business conversations, does it change the way we look at food when we're under a different like focus? So our personal lives is one thing, but when you're in a business setting, does our brain change uh, of what we're, how we respond to food? Of course. And it will also respond to what you think other people are thinking of you. Mm. Okay. What do you mean by that? What other people thinking of you? So, so when I first tell people I'm a dietitian, depending on who it is, if they feel somewhat attacked for their weight or whatever, they're like, well, don't judge me for what I'm eating. I'm like, I'm not the food police. Don't judge me for what I'm eating. And I find in those situations, especially if it's, it doesn't actually matter if it's a man or a woman, but I find in those situations that the people who are most concerned about their weights choose to have like a salad and a white cloth. And then they see me drinking like a margarita and eating a burger and French fries. And they're like, huh, right? It's sort of like that. What is she doing? Does she know she's a dietitian? And (laughs) that process is they're destroying their metabolism more by choosing to be so, so pulled back. But they're afraid of my judgment that they don't want to, they don't want me to see them eat that. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's there especially if you've announced to everyone at the business like let's say it's a business meeting with just your your staff at work you know if you've announced you're on a diet on monday you're going to choose that salad on wednesday because you know everybody's going to be like oh i thought you were on a diet right so yeah it's completely influenced by others it's also influenced by your emotions and then it's also influenced by what you're expecting other people to judge of you for what you're eating Mm, yeah you're right it's so funny like i don't Again, I'm trying to make it more general, but I cannot help but bring it back to myself, right? Because you you want to relate this in a way that's applicable, but you know, you you look into yourself to say, okay, does this make sense for me? And I guess, do we consciously make these decisions? Like, could you consciously override your subconscious at times? And if you know you're, can you acknowledge something and catch yourself, or is it something where sometimes it's more of an instinctual, like, reaction? 
So most of the time is instinctual if you haven't processed it. If you become aware of it, then you're able to change the decision. But it takes, so there's research studies that show you've actually decided before you've decided. So there's a, I can't think of the, the research study that was done, but they put people in like a brain imaging and your brain has already made the decision six seconds before you consciously decide. Oh, six seconds. That's a long time. Yeah. So you can override, but most of us don't because the brain's already determined what will happen. So in order to do that, you have to reroute the subconscious mind uh, programming, right? So let's say the program is at a business lunch, I eat a salad. But now you've heard, well, Leslie says that could be destroying my metabolism. So instead, you choose to have the turkey sandwich and, and a salad. You put them together. Okay, let's just go with that. Okay, so now you're doing that. You instinctually have chosen, I'm going to eat the salad. But as you potentially walk away with just a salad, you think, oh, no, wait, I need the turkey sandwich. Okay, so now you are aware of that. But if you're not aware that you're doing that, you'll never change that, that process. So you have to actually become aware and then the more you can subconsciously change the pattern, then it will route a different way. And, and it, it does make sense. That just this, everything you're talking about, I can see applying in other facets of life, right? You've got to be aware of what your brain is thinking or doing in any other segment, right? So, I, I, and I think that goes back to almost, I don't want to be negative on this, but there's that self-sabotage conversation that we've talked about. And I've heard other coaches talking about, right? That internal monologue. So if you, does food have the ability to help you evolve your inner monologue? This is God. And this question is actually more going to chemistry or food. Can it really help you elevate your mood if you eat the right things? Not only for you, you know, mentally, uh, I mean, physically, but as well as mentally. Yes. But when you say the right food, I want to use the term. I want you to know it's the, the right food for you. Meaning. You. Okay. Yeah. So like. You could, you could eat a grape, which is great for you, okay? And you could feel better, and that potentially sends the sugar message to your brain the same way that a piece of cake would. However, if you're not one who chooses grapes frequently, you're going to still feel better with the cake. Oh, okay. So even though it's still glucose, sucrose, satiating that need if you don't have that emotional connection with that thing that will satisfy it chemically speaking you're still going to gravitate towards whatever it is that is going to give you that serotonin push or whatever is that basically what you're saying correct interesting that's so funny you know it's funny you should mention grape so i got covid back in uh, september which by the way do not recommend but um i had the massive craving for green grapes after I never cared for green grapes before, but afterwards I wanted nothing but Costco size freaking like I had to buy two packs of Costco grapes because I was just mowing through them afterwards. Why does that happen when you get these weird cravings and thank goodness it was grapes. If I'm going to have a craving, I'd rather be something healthy. Right? So why, why does that happen? Uh, could be multiple reasons. To me, it sounds more like a dehydration potential there. It could have been some sort of dehydration that the grapes satisfied that. And there was a tart flavor to that. So if you lost any flavor, like if you had any flavor changes with food, that could have been tied to that because 
that would be a food as a safe food because you typically didn't go to it before. So you could go to green grapes because you didn't typically choose them before. And if they tasted different, you wouldn't remember as readily if let's say you chose your favorite food, right? It's just like the person that wants to get off a Coke and go to diet Coke doesn't go to diet Coke. They go to diet Pepsi or they go to diet Dr. Pepper because Coke to diet Coke takes like crud. But if you go from Coke to Diet Pepsi or Coke to Diet Dr. Pepper, you've now changed the flavor entirely so your body can get used to something different. So that could be exactly that. Um, I'd say potentially dehydration, a flavor change, any of that. Just like pregnant women, right? As they you know, evolve, their taste buds taste different. You know, With my daughter, when I was pregnant with her, the foods I loved tasted like dirt, man. I would say I still ate them occasionally because I knew they were healthy, but did not enjoy, did not enjoy. Whereas like with her, I went back to like when I was a little kid, hated fish as a kid, could barely eat fish when I was pregnant with her, but I knew I needed to. So I would like suck it down and be like, okay. Right. Like totally stopping a gag reflux with my son. I had none of that. I was like, Give me all of the delicious food all the time. I craved eggs and not sweets or cereal. You know, it was totally with my daughter. I went back to being a kid and with my son, I ate normal. So it's just, it can be sickness. It can be chemical body changes, any of those kinds of things. And it could be something that you enjoyed in the past, but it's not something prevalently consumed. So you'll go back to it. Got it. Oh, interesting. Oh, you know, it it hurts me that you say I could have been dehydrated. I'm sure I probably was, but I drank all the time. I was drinking so much, but I also slept a lot. So I'm sure I probably went to those times when I was sleeping it off, which by the way, I highly recommend if you are sick, let your body rest, please. Because I think that's what your body is telling you. Like it needs to fight itself on its own, but um, oh my gosh. Okay. So Leslie, let's, okay. This, that, I knew I want to ask you those questions, but I have to show this because for anyone that's not connected with Leslie, especially on LinkedIn, I strongly tell you, not encourage, I tell you now, you connect with her or at least follow her so you can see her posts. So if you don't mind, Leslie, I'm going to actually share something that I, just just a sample of your many posts. Are you comfortable with me kind of posting something up? Yeah, go for it. Do you love how I didn't even bother asking you like, hey, by the way, I'm going to share something here, but I'm just going to do it anyway. And don't worry, nothing embarrassing, nothing embarrassing to you at all with your face, with the food in your face, right? But I just, love this is a great example of your kind of various posts that you do on LinkedIn because I'm tired and I'm sure you agree with me with me on this I am tired of the Instagram model like look at me with my 15 pounds of makeup I contoured the crap out of my face to the point where you look like a mummy um I love the realness of this so talk to me what motivated you to post this particular image outside of making me absolutely hungry but outside of that Really, it's that so many, like that's a piece of that's ice cream cake. It was my daughter's ice cream cake on her birthday. And so <laughs> moms that I know are like, I don't eat ice cream. I skip it over. And they, they actually are, ha- they're battling two things. They feel guilty for eating the ice cream if they do, but they feel guilty for showing their kids that they won't. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. And, and so that's the whole thing. I don't have children, so I have a, I don't relate that way, I guess. So how hard is it as a mother, especially to children and, you know, societal's expectations on children? Do you ever catch yourself, um, even though you're knowledgeable and you know it, have you ever caught yourself um, saying things to the kids that you didn't realize might be not the most, oh, I don't know, constructive for them when it comes to food stuff? To food, no. I, I would be honest with that one just because food is so readily available in our house. 
the things I try, I do try to explain like, you know, candy's not for breakfast. I don't say you shouldn't eat candy for breakfast. It's candy's not for breakfast. You know, cookies aren't for breakfast. And while my three-year-olds really gathered that, my one-year-old doesn't. So when I try to explain it, sometimes, okay, we can have one piece to avoid the temper tantrum, and then let's eat our healthy breakfast. Well, then my daughter wants one, and then we go over why, because Larry just doesn't understand yet that candy is not for breakfast, right? It's less of the shame and guilt. The reason why we then become different, like have issues later on in life is because our mom was like, don't eat that cake. It's going to go straight to your hips or that you don't deserve that because you did bad today at school or, um, uh, you know, the shame or the guilt around it. Or like, if you eat that donut, it's going to go straight to your butt and you're going to look like your grandma and your grandma's like morbidly obese or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay. So then when you do eat the donut, because you actually enjoy the donut, your brain says, okay, well you ate this. So you're going to get morbidly obese. So then you create your own pathway to develop it. So with food, no, I'm very conscious. I would say if I do, it would be something that I don't process that I've said. And then I, I change it shortly, like immediately afterwards, you know, but yeah. I don't try to, to, to give any of that to them because I'm so aware and things were not restricted in our household when I was a kid. I mean, I joke all the time. I came home from grade school with my sisters and we sat down with our container of Pringles and our, um, our gallon size Kool-Aid, you know, where you put the like whole cup of sugar in there with the flavor of your Kool-Aid, right? And it would take a two days between the three of us to go through the can of Pringles and the Kool-Aid. And other people were like, oh my gosh, we never would have been able to eat that. And I'm like, well, you know, my sister, my late sister, she's not here with us anymore, but neither one of us ever had any weight issues. And, and, and so I just like, I think, you know, it, it's all within your your scope of how food is treated. You know, mm -hmm. I have a lot of like moms that are like, my kid eats so perfect. They've never even had a candy bar. I'm like, do you eat candy bars? Well, I do, but he doesn't know it yet. Okay. Well, wow. when he does, that's going to come around and get you because that's the thing. You cannot have it your way and then their way because they will see what you've kept from them and it'll take it the opposite direction very fast. Mm, it's almost like the, um, yeah, don't do as I say, not as I do. And it's like, uh, I'm going to do it, mom, dad, because, yeah. Right, I watch you, right? Good for the goose, good for the gander, that all that saying and all that good stuff. So where did this come from? Did your parents, uh, did, you, did you have a healthy relationship with food with your parents growing up? I mean, I would say so. I mean, I don't remember ever, you know, being rewarded with food. I don't remember any of those kinds of things. You know, food was whatever. We were taught you know, my mom wasn't going to make us something different for dinner. So when we were little, if we didn't like it too bad, so sad. By the time it, we could, it, let, let's say maybe seven or eight, if we would say we don't like it, she'd say, then make your own peanut butter and jelly. I'm not doing it. Right. This is what I made. Right. And so every once in a while, one of us would, but most of the time we would just eat it. I only remember one time really fighting with her. And it was this, I don't remember. It was some kind of, um, meatball kind of thing. And I just started to not like the sauce. And I sat there for hours, like, I'm not eating this. I don't like it. I really just don't. I couldn't get myself. She's like, well, then you won't eat anything else. I was like, that's fine. I'll wait till breakfast the next morning. I just couldn't do it. You know, I think that was mm -hmm. time. And after that, my mom never did it again because she saw, <laughs> she saw my resilience. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I would say that that was a piece of it, but also that when I was in college, I was, when I started college, I was not overweight. So in high school, just because I was called fat by a couple people, um, I think I held on to that for a few years. 
I really was not fat when I started college. I, I maybe gained 10 pounds when I was in high school. Um, I actually weigh less than I do. I weigh less now after two kids than I did in high school, which is crazy. But um, it it was when I got to college that I was like, if I'm going to be a dietitian, I want to portray it. So I actually started my own food emotion code back then, but didn't know what I did. Um, went through schooling, processed shortly after while being a dietitian, what I did. And I rewrote some of the patterns that I would have in the past. You know, um, my big story I always share is that when I went to officer development school, when I joined the Navy, I four weeks in, yes, I was 24 years old, but four weeks in, I missed my mom something fierce. I could not stop crying. I was like hysterically crying. The, uh, the enlisted member who was in charge of us at the time looked at the other officer, that the only one that had a phone, and said, take her somewhere and make her happy. So she took me to the bathroom, and I called my mom. No idea to this day why she answered some random number. And uh, I just was crying, hysterically crying in the bathroom. And my mom called me down. But the moment we hung up, all I wanted was chocolate. Now I'm faced at a school in the military. I don't get I don't get snacks. We're not allowed desserts. We're not allowed coffee. We can't talk during our meals. You can't get anything freely. You get three meals. It's it's just that, right? And at that point, I was so against eating the cook's food. I was eating like salads because I knew that they put stuff in there to make you go to the bathroom or whatever I invented in my head. I don't know. Wow. Um, so yeah, so I uh, I didn't get it. And on the third day, I processed the reason why I wanted chocolate so bad was because when we would feel bad, she would give us chocolate along with a mom kiss and a band aid, right? Oh my God, I get it. I totally get it. So it was, it was able for me once I understood the only reason why I wanted the piece of chocolate was to solidify this, this piece of me. It's there. And now I don't have it. So, so fast forward to me, 36 years old, my husband's deployed. And there've been two times this week that I'm like, God, I just want a hug from him. And I've tried to like eat a piece of chocolate to see if it would do it. I'm like, dang it, it doesn't do it anymore because I'm so aware, right? Like it's like, oh the only my God. Feel better is his hug, right? Like it's not somebody else's hug. Yes, I love hugging my kids and being happy, but I'm never going to get that satisfaction because I'm so capable of distancing the emotions, right? I don't attach situations to food, but everyone else is still doing that until you're consciously aware of what's happening and we're able to break through those triggers and patterns that have set you up for that. So, oh my gosh, that you just, I think I love the way you just pulled that all together. So, guys, if anyone that's listening, I think this is very relatable. And I think I had a few light bulb moments myself. So Leslie, so for those that want to get a hold of you, uh, what's your recommended way for them to, to reach out to you? Yeah. So you can reach out to me on LinkedIn um, or you can go to my website. I'm pretty much Leslie Urbis on every platform that there is, but there is another one. So just make sure the picture looks like me. I'm holding a margarita. <laughs> I don't know why I can relate to that. I, I feel a little triggered here, but that being said is there is something else that I thought was really awesome about you. And that's you have a quiz that you offer. Let's talk to me about this quiz because, uh, and don't worry, everyone, you're not having to like quickly scroll down and what that's going across. Just want to make sure where that you, there is a quiz available to you. It'll be in the show notes, but talk to you about this quiz. Am I yeah. going to fail it? 
is yeah. available. <laughs> you just click the link. It's a 10 question quiz. Uh, actually, it's a seven question quiz. And basically what it'll spit back to you is what your food emotion code is. There's four different types of how we could be eating or dieting. And once we're aware of that, I walk you through a five video sequence and then encourage you to, to jump on what I call a breakthrough call. So that way I can help you through that last little bit. It is literally a breakthrough call. It's like a help call. It's like a free help call that will help you to get to the other side so you can actually break through what it is that you're doing to yourself. Mm, I love it. You guys just try it out. It doesn't hurt you. Try it out. Cause I think so many of us, especially as we get older, um, I'm in my <laughs> late forties and, uh, I didn't realize my body's falling the freak apart. And, and it's that realization of like, well, I guess I could have taken better care of myself and gotten better habits back in the twenties and thirties, but it's not too late. Right. For people like me, it's not too late. It's not too late. You can reclaim your metabolism at any point, but you just have to know you have the right person to do it. See, and that's why I have you on. Huh? Huh? So, Leslie, I really appreciate you. And I really, I just so glad that we've met because like I said, your posts, and please continue to do so because it's such a great reminder in the course of the day, I'm scrolling on LinkedIn, I'm doing whatever I need to do. And you just kind of like, it's almost like you're like this little angel voice on my shoulder when I see your post of like, hey, have you thought about this lately? And you're like, oh, yeah, okay. I need to really be more conscious of it. I think it's almost like what you're doing is really reminding people to be aware of what they're doing with themselves. And if they want to take it further and have a better handle on it, that's when it's a perfect opportunity to talk to you. But if you're not ready yet, guys, friend, follow Leslie on LinkedIn because you want to see her post. It's really helpful. And no, it's not always her, you know, feeding her face with ice cream. There's definitely other types of posts as well. <laughs> wow. So Leslie, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Any parting words that you would like to share, words of wisdom? It's a great question. As I always say, uh, what's my, I, I had a one-liner, but I changed it recently. I would tell you that my answer to you is, is that if you're going to do a diet, and you can't say you'll do it for life, the diet will fail you. So run. Mm -mm, I love that. I do. I agree with you on that 100%. And, I, and that's funny. I just said that today with my boyfriend. So yes, 100%. I agree with that. Well, Leslie, thank you so much for your time. I have some one some quick little housekeeping things if you don't mind, Leslie. So real quick, guys. As we all know that I am the Dallas chair for the Global Leaders Organization with my business partner, Aaron Greger. Just want to give everyone a reminder, if you are an entrepreneur and you are looking to grow your business and you're, or you're looking for access to capital and you're thinking you're right there ready for the next stage, this community is all about that. So again, we're committed to community, commerce, capital, and content. We want to help you. There are chapters all over the United States as well in Canada and Mexico. So check us out. If you have any questions, hit me up. And of course, got to tout my own business, Innovation Media Enterprises. We are a podcast consulting strategy production and marketing agency, marketing for podcasts specifically. We partner with marketing agencies and marketing departments. But the way I like to say everyone, because I love my little idioms, everyone has a story to tell. And I say do it with a podcast because I'm not selfish or anything because that's what we do. Podcasts, podcasts, podcasts. Was that, was that groveling enough, Leslie? I love it. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of The Mic is Listening. Leslie Urbis, the food emotional code coach, extraordinary dietitian badass. Thank you so much for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. See you guys. <laughs>